Hi, Insiders. Welcome back to a new episode of Disney Movie Insiders Presents. Today, Gabrielle Union and Zach Braff are giving us an insider's look at their all-new Disney Plus movie, Cheaper by the Dozen. The Baker family moved from their home in Echo Park to Calabasas, all due to the success of their secret sauce, quite literally. But with a new home, new neighborhood, and new business, come different challenges for this tight-knit family to take on. This film brings the heat by showing what it's like to navigate the hectic life in a household of 12. The daily dynamics of an ultra-blended, extra-large family can at times be sweet and also not so savory. It's a delight to see that together, the bakers conquer what comes their way with heart and humor. Joining us first today is Gabrielle Union, who plays Zoe Baker in Cheaper by the Dozen. And she's also an executive producer on the movie. Welcome, Gabrielle. Thank you for having me. So happy to have you here to tell us all about this new adaptation of Cheaper by the Dozen. Okay, you play Zoe Baker and serve as executive producer. That is very exciting. What drew you to the multiple roles you're in? Yeah, so Kenya sent me the script. He's like, I think I got, I think I got a little magic for you, because we'd been trying to, you know, find something to work on together. And when I got the script and I saw it wasn't just Kenya Barris's name on that script, you know, it was Jen Henry's name as well. And I was like, oh. I am obsessed with, with Jen. Uh, so I was like, I have to, I have to do this already. I, I hope it's good. I, the, so I was already on before I read it. And as I'm reading it, I was like, oh, I live this. This is my actual lived experience. Um, granted less kids, but it, this is my lived experience. And I jumped at the chance and he was like, would you like to come on as an exec as well? And I was like, absolutely. So it, it has been a, a, a long, well, long in the sense of the pandemic road um, to get here, but we're all, I think, incredibly proud of, of the finished product. I love that about Zoe and about being an executive producer. Talk to us about the rest of the Baker family. Yes. I mean, there are so many. I hope I remember all, all the names. So we have Zach Braff, who plays uh, Paul Baker, my husband, who is, uh, I guess we would be co-owners of a restaurant. And his passion is his breakfast sauce that he wants to turn into something much bigger. Uh, we've got his ex-wife, played by Erica Christensen, who has some boundary issues in this co-parenting journey that we are all on. Then there is my ex-husband, we call him Tree. Um, but so Tree, he plays Dom, my ex-husband, who our marriage sort of ended because of his um, his level of ambition and him not being home and present. And the way he, sing, he tends to show up as a co-parent is through financial gifts and, you know, experiences that the bakers cannot afford. And then we have our oldest kids. We've got Journey, who plays our oldest daughter, who's like a basketball star. And then there is, gosh, there is like Kylie. And then there's there's, there's a Kylie and a Kaylee. And a, and then there's the child that plays Haresh. And then there's Bash and Crash, who are the, the youngest twins. And then there is Mimi and Leo, who play Luca and Luna. Oh, and DJ, who plays my son. Did I get them all in there? Very impressive. That's a lot to manage and a lot of people on this set. How did you build a bond with everyone? It was a challenge, I, you know, initially due to COVID, you know, we were just in Zoom boxes. So we weren't, you know, we didn't have that physical thing and they were able to all rehearse, but I was on another gig. So I kind of missed that bonding time with, with the kids. So day one was really my first day, you know, meeting. I, I was not 
familiar with Zach. Like we have a mutual friend in Donald Faison, but I don't, I didn't know Zach. The only one I knew really at all was Erica Christensen. We came up in our teen movies together. So it was, it was trial by fire. And, but we had to figure it out quick and figure out how to become a high functioning yet chaotic family unit. (laughs) There's so much heart and humor in the film. I want to talk about the setting though, Los Angeles, that right there, so much chaos in the city. What was the importance of setting the movie in Los Angeles? Uh, I think because both Kenya and Jen are are L.A. natives, you know, it's a love letter to, you know, to Los Angeles. I had just come off a, a movie called L.A.'s Finest that also made Los Angeles an additional character. And that was one of the things that people resonate that really resonated with folks um, learning different communities that it's not all Beverly Hills and the Hollywood sign. There are many, 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 many communities uh, that make up Los Angeles. So I think it was kind of fun to play with the Calabasas of it all, which wasn't actually Calabasas for those of you listening. Um, It was not even really Calabasas adjacent, but uh, you know, I think we think we all know what Calabasas is because of keeping up with the Kardashians and and, and all of that, but there's a lot more to it. You know, when, when you're actually living there as a family, a multiracial, multicultural family, it's a, it's a whole different experience versus living on the East side as a more diverse family. So it was nice to be able to, you know, uh, explore Los Angeles in a different kind of way than we're used to seeing. You hit on a lot there because you're saying the family moves to different cities. So there's a lot of heavier topics that this adaptation has. How did you decide what to bring into the story and how to approach it? Um, Well, that was kind of already baked into the script. So I I wish I could take credit for that, but that is all uh, Kenya and Jen. But we wanted to, there's no way you update this with people of color and in a blended sort of family without also exploring the challenges, the joys as well, but also the challenges. And this notion of when you have this ambition and you believe your family deserves the best and, and more and better, when you have to factor in, a, there's a lot of communities that just aren't safe, that don't feel welcoming, that don't um, appreciate the diversity and inclusion efforts that the rest of us are making. And so perhaps those communities aren't better than uh, more diverse communities that are more welcoming and, and safer for people of color. And we wanted to explore that in a, in a family-friendly, you know, age-appropriate way. It really highlights how this is so fresh and contemporary. Very, very powerful. How would you say it was navigating the relationship between Zoe and Kate's characters? You know, I think everyone has co-parenting challenges, but because we we know we were probably the two people who knew each other for, I mean, I don't want to say how many years, but it's <laughs> a couple decades uh, that we've known each other. And, you know, when we were coming up, obviously we didn't have kids and we each had kids like a little later in, in life. So we have that older mom bond, you know, and, and, but we came up, you know, she was doing swim fan and I was doing bring it on. So like our, our, our life trajectory has, has been long. So playing those scenes was just funny and, you know, Erica's up for anything. So we really wanted to lean into her boundary issues, um, you know, and, and there is that thing when, and there are two Mrs. Bakers, you know, and, and there is another person out there who has intimate knowledge of your current spouse. It is a really challenging, complicated, at times messy dynamic to maneuver through. Um, but we wanted to we wanted to have a lot of fun with that. And, 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 and we did. You mentioned it yourself that there's a lot of movies you came up on. She's all that. Ten things I hate about you and bring it on. As you mentioned, I was fangirling during the dance battle. (laughs) I really wanted you to get out there. Okay, so were there any fun behind the scenes moments you can tell us about? 
Oh gosh. You know, it's a little different on this one. Usually we have pranks. We get to do all the, you know, just hang out, but you had to keep six feet apart. So it's kind of hard to play a prank on someone from across the room with a shield and a mask. And, you know, it's I, you can play pranks with your eyes. Like, I, I don't know. Um, so it was a little different on this one. A lot of our jokes were are definitely not uh Disney plus appropriate. So I don't know how much I could share, but there was fun had by all, uh, all of the adults. Um, we, we absolutely had a very good time, but I think that, you know, first rule of fight club, don't talk about fight club. It's basically all I can say. I love it. This is an extra large family. <laughs> Did any of the kids teach you about TikTok, or was there anything they taught you that you were surprised by? Maybe something you weren't expecting? In real life music, I, I had no idea. They're like, do you know who this is? And every guess of mine was Drake. And they were like, no, you, you know, there's more than Drake, right? And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, Pac and Big and and, and Jay and, and Nas. And they're like, oh my God, have you listened to anyone that has come out in the last 10 years? And I'm like, yeah, like Beyonce and Rihanna. They're like, like they think they're like, all those people are like, ancient. So I learned a lot, a lot about, um, these, uh, you know, different, uh, folks in hip hop and shows and podcasts that I've like, I've never heard of. And yeah, a lot of TikTok dances that I was like, who, who, who does this? Um, not me, but yeah, it was, it was cool to learn. And then, you know, and then like I learned something on set and then I hit, you know, one of the kids only on DMS because our kids don't respond to normal texts. So I hit one of the kids on DMS and they were like, Lil Dark? And I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? So like I was, and they're like, you are so weird. You are so weird. Stop saying Lil Dark. I'm like, I can't because that's the, that's the name that stuck with me. <laughs> okay, nice. With your experience and coming up on screen, was there anything that was important to you to impart upon the kids to show them the ropes? Yeah, I think it's important to be very clear about what it is to be a professional. And, you know, even though you're little, you're a little child. We literally called them the littles. We, we all got hired to, to do a job. And there's all these people whose lives and livelihoods and how they pay their bills and feed their families depend on what we do here on set. So we need to be on time. And when we set foot on this set, we need to straighten up and fly right. We need to know our lines. We need to know our marks. We need to know what everyone else is doing. And we need to be professional. And when they yell cut, let's cut up and have a good time. But we have to understand what it is to be professional because what we don't ever want to do is impact how anyone else on this set makes a living and how they're able to feed their families. Um, that's not what we do on this set. And so hopefully, you know, they're taking these lessons, you know, on to the next thing. That's so cool. I love how it was a balancing act. Everybody was getting fed. And, you know, it's speaking of that, I love that your characters ran a restaurant. How much fun was that doing that day to day with food everywhere? I love that there's some cool things on the menu, like Paul's own sauce. Talk to us more about the restaurant space. Yeah, because we would all be starving. Um, so we, we're just like eating like they would bring stuff out. You're like, you know, we have to match this. You can't keep eating the plates because. Yeah. And as a person who loves sauce. I love anything spicy. I love spicy sauces. Like I did hot ones and I was like, what else you got? Like, I mean, this is not even like what's a little, you know, nasal drip, but, uh, I love, I love sauce. So like I was all into the whole operation and then to have the girls from sweet Valley high be a part of it. Both of them 
I gagged, but I, I had to keep it together. I, I couldn't let on that. I, I owned like all of the freaking books, you know, what I mean? like, oh my God, oh my God, you guys are so cool. And like, you know, yeah. Like, you know, I watched the game and, you know, but you never get to see both together. And that was a treat. I'm telling you throughout the movies you watch, there's so many of those moments that you're having great nostalgia. I love it. Last question though. What is your go-to breakfast? Bacon, bacon. I don't care if you burn it. I don't care if you bake it. I don't care if you put, you know, you drizzle syrup on it. All of it's good. You can't really mess up bacon. I'll eat it. I love pork products. Gabrielle Union, you are a true joy. Thank you so much for giving us that amazing answer and joining us to talk about Cheever by the Dozen. My pleasure. Thank you. Joining us next to tell us about his character, Paul Baker, and to take on the Insider Five is Zach Braff. Welcome, Zach. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your character, Paul Baker, in this film. Paul Baker is, believe it or not, trying to raise 10 children um, and run a business. He uh, has a very successful breakfast restaurant that serves breakfast all day long. And he's very passionate about breakfast, but he's also very passionate about being a dad. And it's very complicated because uh, the, there's, it's a blended family. Uh, his, his wife had children of her own from a previous marriage. He had children from a previous marriage. They got together and had two sets of twins. They have to take in a, a nephew because my, my character's uh, sister gets into some trouble. Uh, they have two dogs. It's kind of mayhem but they have to come together as a team to uh, to be able to do it all together. Nice. How did you hear about the film and the role? I got sent it. Kenya Barris and Gabby Union were exec producing it, and they thought of me, and they sent it to me. And I, I said, I'd never done a family movie before other than be the voice of Chicken Little for Disney. I read it, and I said, if, I want, you know, I, if I'm going to do a family movie, I don't want to do something that's, that I wouldn't laugh at. You know, I, I have so many friends with kids who they have to suffer through these kids movies that they just think are so horrible. So I wanted to do something that that I knew the adults would like to. And I laughed on every single page of the script. And I thought, oh, please let me be involved with this. And I just loved also how it was about a blended family and how it was was brave and it's and, and, and current in its storytelling about how families are in 2022. So this is one of the new adaptations of Cheaper by the Dozen. Did you feel that you wanted to go back and watch any of the previous ones? Or did you want to come into this fresh? I was too old to, to be in the target audience for the Steve Martin ones. And then I, I didn't even know about the the first uh, one until I came onto the project. So no, I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> I get it. You came into this very fresh, eyes wide open. That's cool. So your character is called the Willy Wonka of Sauces. Are you a chef yourself? I'm not a chef myself, but I, I, I like to eat a lot. And I thought the idea of Paul's sauce was pretty genius. <laughs> okay, nice. I love that this also happens in a restaurant. There's so much chaos. I love the family. It's almost like bonding. Food really can bring people together. That's true. I think that that's one of the things that the family bonds over is that dad also happens to be a ridiculously good chef who's cooking for everybody. So amongst all the children, Paul is also having to take care of two adorable dogs, Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Best names ever. I hear you are a dog lover in real life. Is that true? Yeah, I have a rescue uh, named Billy, and she's uh, she's my favorite creature on Earth. You know, I travel a lot for work, but if I lived in L.A., I'd have like 
10 dogs. I, I love, I love dogs. Did you form a bond with the dogs that were on set? Not really. Cause they're, you know, they only came in in spurts because there's, there was so much chaos on set with all these kids. You're, you're not bringing a Rottweiler in just randomly. <laughs> so the dog only came in every now and then you, you're playing with the dogs cause they're focused on training them. So, but I love them. I love Rottweilers. <laughs> You know what? I had a Rottweiler growing up too, and they are intimidating at first, and then they're so sweet. I know. I think they're good guard dogs because people are afraid of them, but but if you're their owner, they're so loyal and lovely. Talk to us about the dance battle. That was a scene I will not forget. <laughs> Talk to us about what it took to prepare for that. I'm not a dancer. I'm not even a comedic dancer, and so... I said to Gail early on, like, I'm going to have to train. Like, you got to send me like a hip hop coach because <laughs> I don't, I'm not on TikTok and I don't know any of these hip hop moves or anything. I mean, I know he's not supposed to be amazing, but he's supposed to be a decent dancer. So uh, I had a hip hop coach that would come over to my house. She would crank hip hop and we would dance around my gym. Little by little, I started to get some moves in my arsenal. <laughs> That's something new, but obviously with all of your experience, you have a lot of wisdom to pass on to these kids. Is there anything that was important to you to pass on to them since you're filming with them every day? Just to be, uh, I don't know, to just um, to behave. Uh, uh, I guess I was a lot of like, um, I was fun with them, but also like showing them how to be respectful on set and and uh, and showing them what an honor it is to be to be able to work on a, on a movie set. And um but also to, to, to have fun and not, and, and not be intimidated, not be nervous to be brave with their choices. And vice versa. Is there anything fun that they taught you? They tried to explain TikTok to me, um, which they were all, of course, obsessed with. Um, they explained a lot of lingo, TikTok lingo and influencer lingo that I didn't know what meant, uh, yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> it sounds like you had a lot of fun and formed a really great family bond. That was really cool to see. Okay, I know that, yes, this is one of your first family films, but you've been part of the Disney family with a lot of different projects. Some of note, Oz the Great and Powerful, Chicken Little, and then Scrubs, of course, moving to ABC. And was owned, the Scrubs is, even though it was on NBC, it was owned by Disney Studios. There you go. So um, yeah, I've been, a, I've been a part of the Disney family for most of my career. You've got your legacy right there. I love it. Are you ready to talk to us a little bit about that? Your Disney fandom and to take on the Insider Five? Go ahead. I've already complained about Chicken Little not being represented enough at the parks uh, to other people. So. <laughs> I'm hoping this will be a set of feel-good questions. <laughs> Let's start with the first one. What is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Oh, good question. Probably Pinocchio, maybe. I think I remember like my earliest memory of maybe seeing Pinocchio and, uh, and being very intrigued by that. Ooh. Okay, you know there's going to be a live action one, right? Oh, I know. <laughs> of course you do. Next up, you're invited to a Disney-themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? I'm going as Chicken Little because Chicken Little is underrepresented at the parks, and I'm very upset about this. You can't find a Chicken Little pin, t-shirt, hat, scarf. And every time I go to Disneyland, I, I set about looking for a, one single piece of Chicken Little merch. Nothing. Okay, I'll give you points because you had that answer right away. Nice. <laughs> it's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? I would sing uh, We Are the Champions from Chicken Little because there's no Chicken Little representation at the parks. They don't even let the poor costume get a little air. Throw one of those people in the costume. Let the guy run around for an hour. There is a lot of love for Chicken Little. I love Chicken Little. If you could only ride one ride all day to Disney Park, which would it be? 
I like, well, God, any ride all day would be too much, but I, I do love Pirates. There's a soft spot in my heart for it. I remember it as a kid. It has a distinct smell. I remember just loving it as a child. Um, so for me, the nostalgia, and I was afraid of roller coasters as a kid, but the, the little little micro drops in, in Pirates was about as adventurous as I was willing to be as a kid. So there was, there's a soft spot in my, my heart for Pirates. So true. It does have a distinct smell. Once you get back into it, you're right back into that smell. <laughs> That's true. It's also a smart choice because you could take a nap on it if you're riding it all day. Except you have you have to hear a ho, 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 hum <laughs> a pirate's life for me. <laughs> to close us out on the Insider 5, here we go. Which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? Pinocchio, always let your conscience be your god. Aw, that's a great one. Thanks so much, Zach. That's our show. Cheaper by the Dozen is streaming on Disney+. Plus, So you don't miss any upcoming podcast episodes. Subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and review. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code BAKER. The code expires April 5th, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, Insiders, with more Disney movie magic.